It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 344 for May 26th, 2013. This week, if you're planning to give away or sell a computer, a hard drive, a thumb drive, or any kind of flash memory, here's how to delete your personal data first. Oh, ouch. WTOP and Federal News Radio hit by malware this month? Did it affect you? And in short circuits, grilled apples in Washington, PayPal to be in two million stores soon, and lots of changes for online music services. You've got an old computer, an old hard drive, an old flash drive. You'd like to give it away or maybe sell it. Well, you'd be surprised by how many people, when they sell an old hard drive or a computer or give it away, do nothing at all to safeguard the information on the hard drive. There are several things you can do to remove the data from a hard drive, but only one of them actually does remove the data from the hard drive. Number one, oh, I'll just delete the files and then empty the trash. Well, if that's the solution you choose, I hope the disk drive didn't contain any valuable personal data because just about anybody can run a data recovery utility and restore all of your files in just a couple of minutes. That's because when files are erased, the only thing that's changed is the entries for the files in the disk's index. They're simply marked as having been deleted, but everything is still there. Emptying the trash does nothing other than making it impossible to restore the file by dragging it out of the trash. The data is all still there. Okay, then you say I'll format the drive. This quick format option finishes the job in less than a minute with most drives. But again, I hope that the disk drive didn't contain any valuable data. You've made it a bit harder for someone to recover the data but any good data recovery utility will be up to the job and it won't take very long. In fact, some people like to visit second-hand stores and buy any disk drives that are being offered just to see what they can find. All right, then I'll use standard format. It takes a couple hours, but then the disk must be clean, right? Well, no. Now you have made the process of recovering data considerably more challenging but, you know, some people really like that kind of challenge. So those are the options that really won't work. I said there's one that will. I lied, sort of. Actually, there are two, but you're not going to like one of them. Let's start there. Here's the option you're not going to like. Obtain a large hammer. Place the disk drive on a hard surface such as, oh, say, for example, a steel workbench. Beat the drive until it is in multiple pieces. Then, continue beating the metal platters you'll find inside until they are no longer shiny, level, or round. This is data deletion to military specification. You'll like this one better. Download DiskWipe. It doesn't need to be installed, but just copied to the computer. 
If you're planning to delete data from an external drive, plug it in, otherwise just start the application, DiskWipe will display a list of the drives that it finds attached or installed in the computer. Select very carefully the drive you want to wipe. Choose the type of wipe process you want to use, noting that slower is better from a data destruction standpoint, but that when it comes to wiping data, fast means the process will take several hours. In my case, it was nearly 11 hours, or to be more exact, 10 hours, 42 minutes, 15 seconds, for a modest 500 gigabyte drive. So unless you're being followed by the FBI, the CIA, Mossad, or Smirsh, one of the faster options is probably acceptable. If you are being followed by a professional spy agency, well, you'll want to use the previous message, the one with the hammer. To show you how this works, I decided to use a 2 gigabyte thumb drive. And that actually brings up another point. If you're planning to sell or give away old thumb drives or flashcards from your camera or some other device, these should be cleared too. No installation is required for DiskWipe, so you can just place DiskWipe on a thumb drive or copy it to any location and run it from there. After starting the application, I selected the thumb drive because that's the drive I wanted to wipe. The interface is really simple and very easy to use. Just select the disk and click Wipe Disk. But first, you might want to see what's on the disk. In this case, I had already formatted the thumb drive with the Quick Format option. Prior to being formatted, the device contained two executable files and one other file that would not have been human-readable. Executable files do contain some text, and the text is clearly visible even though the thumb drive had been formatted. DiskWipe will detect the disk's current file system. It has three options, NTFS, which is the NT file system, FAT, which is a file allocation table, and FAT32, the 32-bit version of the file allocation table. You can leave the existing system in place or select one of the others because DiskWipe's first action will be to format the drive. Depending on the size of the drive, this could take several minutes or several hours. I selected the one-pass quick option, which took about an hour and 20 minutes for a 2 gigabyte thumb drive. If you believe that really determined crooks might get their hands on your drive, then use the 35-pass Peter Gutman process. It's shown as extremely slow. Now, what do I mean by extremely slow? Well, based on a nearly 11-hour process for a 500 gigabyte drive using the one-pass option, I would expect a 35-pass option to take about half a month. The application will display the name of the disk drive and its letter for your confirmation, and you will be required to type the words Erase All to continue. And just to be sure, you'll have one more chance to cancel the process without proceeding. Once you click OK on the Do you really want to do this option? The data on the disk will be in the process of being turned into toast. At the conclusion of the process, and in this case for my thumb drive, it was about an hour and 20 minutes, you can again view the data on the disk. You'll see an image on the TechBiter Worldwide website. It shows the boot record followed by random data. There's no longer any useful information that can be retrieved. So the bottom line for DiskWipe, it's a free disk clearing application.
the computer, disk drive, thumb drive, or flash memory card that you take out of service and want to sell or give away still will contain data. Maybe data that you don't want anybody else to have. DiskWipe is easy to use, and it's free. It's not fast, but no application that deletes all data from a disk is fast. For more information, check the DiskWipe website. You'll find a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. According to the Department of Homeland Security Computer Emergency Response Team, or CERT, Washington, D.C. radio station WTOP and Federal News Radio websites were infected with malware. But as of late last week, the malware had been removed. CERT says that the exploit would affect users of Microsoft's Internet Explorer on computers where the Adobe Reader, Adobe Acrobat Pro, or Oracle Java had not been updated. The compromised websites were modified to contain a hidden iframe that referenced a JavaScript file on a dynamic DNS host. Note that Oracle's Java and the scripting language JavaScript are not related in any way. The file loaded on victims' computers was what's called the Fiesta Exploit Kit, which uses several known vulnerabilities to attempt to download a file that will install malware on the computer. Any systems running Internet Explorer and vulnerable versions of Adobe Reader or Acrobat or Oracle's Java might have been compromised. WTOP General Manager Joel Oxley says that getting the websites back up and running safely for all users was the organization's top priority. We take our users' privacy very seriously, he said. We've taken steps to prevent similar occurrences. The WTOP website noted that both sites were temporarily limited to browsers other than Internet Explorer to allow for careful examination of how site security was compromised, they said. The exploit kit that was used delivers and executes a known variant of the Zero Access Trojan and reportedly also downloads and installs a variant of fake AV CASI malware. That's one of those pop-up antivirus warning scareware applications that are so difficult to remove if they get onto your machine. Next, the Zero Access Trojan would attempt to communicate with one of two hard-coded command and control IP addresses using an HTTP GET procedure and reporting itself to be the Opera browser version 10. And as a final gift to the victim, the malware downloads a custom Microsoft cabinet file via UDP on port 16464, if you're interested, from a peer-to-peer -peer network. The cabinet file contains several lists of IP addresses and a fake flash installer. WTOP writes on its website, Computers infected with the malware may display pop-up messages indicating that the computer is infected with a virus. This pop-up should be regarded as fake if it prompts the user to click on a link that goes to a website the user doesn't recognize. This fake website, WTOP says, offers security software for sale and prompts users to provide personal information, including credit card numbers. Users should not provide information if prompted to do so. Most up-to-date antivirus programs probably would have recognized the threat and blocked it, 
even when the browser involved was Internet Explorer. But it'd still be a good idea to check your computer if you've been to the WTOP website recently. In short circuits, some grilled apples in Washington. This week, the Senate asked Apple CEO Tim Cook about the company's tax strategies. You may recall the report from a few weeks ago that cited Apple's plans to sell $100 billion worth of bonds, even though it has $145 billion in cash. Well, it seems that the $100 billion that Apple couldn't use was unavailable, because it wasn't in the United States. And the $100 billion turns out not to be liable for taxes in any country on the planet. Oh, and by the way, all of this is perfectly legal. The money is in Ireland, and Irish authorities say they did nothing wrong. That's what Apple's cook said. We didn't do anything wrong. That's just our standard Apple practices. Apple isn't alone. Continuing not to be evil, Google generated $18 billion in Britain between 2006 and 2011. Taxes paid to Britain $16 million. Now, in numbers that people like us might understand, that would be like charging $16 worth of tax on an $18,000 purchase. It's a rate of about nine-tenths of one percent. Amazon's European headquarters is in Luxembourg. That makes it possible for Amazon to minimize its taxes in Europe, but it also makes it possible for Amazon to reduce its U.S. tax rate to about 5.3%. Now, you'd probably like that rate, too, but good luck in getting it. The IRS suggests that Amazon owes the U.S. Treasury about $1.5 billion. Amazon disagrees. Calling the U.S. corporate tax rate broken seems to be an understatement, but with the current climate in Washington, it's unlikely that anything's going to change anytime soon. Although Apple is headquartered in California and run from California, it maintains a shell operation in Ireland. That shell has no employees, but most of the company's profits are held there. The U.S. considers it a foreign company, because there are no employees in Ireland, that country's taxing authority also considers it a foreign company. The money isn't taxed. Cook told senators that Apple pays every single dollar of taxes that it owes, and it's been using the same process since 1980. He said the procedures make Apple more efficient. This is not intended, he said, as a tax avoidance strategy. Sure is a good thing that corporations are considered people, isn't it? PayPal's in some stores now. It's going to be in a lot more soon. You can pay for your Radio Shack purchases with PayPal. It was a big win for PayPal because Radio Shack has a quarter of a million stores. The two companies signed the deal last month and PayPal intends to quadruple that within the year. PayPal head David Marcus says there are other deals in the works. 
PayPal now has 128 million registered users, picking up 5 million users between January and April of this year. PayPal's overall growth has dropped drastically, though, all the way from 32% to just 18%. Most companies would be delighted with a 5% growth rate. Anything over 10% is worthy of a corporate celebration. I mention that just to put these numbers in perspective. PayPal wants to offer more than just online payments. The goal is to couple PayPal payment options with smartphones. You can see where that's going. This has been a week for changes in online music services. Google launched its online music service last week via the Play Store, and competing services are updating their services. Whether this is because of Google's move into the market space or just part of planned ongoing changes isn't clear. Internet businesses frequently change their operating practices regardless of competitors. Pandora has added a new Premieres station that offers the latest albums, it actually makes them available for listening at least a week before the music is available for sale. For example, John Fogarty's new album, Wrote a Song for Everyone, it's available right now, but it doesn't officially debut until the end of the month. If you're a Pandora subscriber, just search for Pandora Premieres. I had considered subscribing to Google's service at $8 a month or $10 a month for those who wait until June to subscribe, but I decided against it because the results are not good on slow connections, such as the ones available on the public network at the office. With nearly 30,000 selections to choose from on my home computer and on the notebook that I keep at the office, it seemed kind of unlikely that I would need an online service at the office. Spotify is going to start publishing a list of the most streamed songs and most shared selections on its service. The top 50 lists will include links that will allow users to stream the tracks without logging in. In fact, no Spotify account is needed to stream those selections. Spotify has about 24 million users, of which about a quarter pay for the service. By comparison, Pandora reports 70 million users. No figures available yet from Google's music service. Oh, and Last FM, they've added 90,000 music videos to their service. The videos are from Muzu TV, M-U-Z-U.TV, but they're currently available only in Europe. Last FM says other countries will soon have the service, and they haven't explicitly promised that the U.S. is covered by that term, other countries. <laughs> Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. I'm Bill Blinn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.